Hello and welcome to the Free Associates. That's right, folks. We are the Free Associates. We are freely associating with one another. And we're freely associating with like anything that kind of comes along, any ideas or notions that get floated. We're willing to associate with them because association is connection and it's the exchange of goods and ideas which has propelled humanity since the beginning of civilization. So that's a good thing. It's also the ability to free associate, to just like like look at a candle and see the wax and be like, I see a skeleton head. By the way, when you look at a campfire, if you look at it, you'll see dragons and devils. You can see where all these dragons and devils came from in the past, man. People just looking in the campfire, right? Well, we're in coronavirus land and we're just looking in the campfire right now and we're seeing devils and demons and stuff like that. But we have the warm glow of the internet to keep us going. If you're listening on WMUA Amherst, it's so good to have you on. And Waylon, how you doing, pal? Good. You sound like a dungeon master right now. Wow. Yes. Well, (laughs) dragons and getting pumped. But you know what I mean about a fire. If you look at a fire, you'll see those like really like clear dragon faces and demon faces. You ever see that in a campfire? Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. But I mean, we have we have an idea. I mean, now we're getting into some philosophical ter- um, terms, but yeah, sure, we have an idea of what those things are. But I guess if you were like a caveman, you would just be like the original depict depictor of all that stuff. Yeah. So you'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, especially the dragons, because you know dragons breathe fire. So it's just yeah. not really. And what do you do after a campfire? You go to sleep. You have dreams. Yeah. You know. And speaking of going to sleep and having uh-huh. dreams, I shall hypnotize you, Waylon. Oh, you got it! You got it fast that time, huh? I got it good. I got it good. I don't know what it is, but I got it good. You You got a parabolic uh, lens over there, or something. You got. You you are under my control. You will not be an expert, even though you are good at certain things. You will be an amateur, and you will openly discuss whatever I want to talk to you about. And boom, he is mine, folks. He is mine. Um, Yes, it is a time of reflection, and it's you know I think Waylon, you and I have talked about it, but it started to feel a little bit. Things have started to get a little bit kind of cranky, I feel like, in general. But, you know, we've had a cold spring, and, you know, I feel like there's a lot of negative predictions going on out there. However, and maybe we should look at this for our next one, but my buddy just sent me a link about nanoparticles might be in in the war against coronavirus. I have to look at it. I haven't looked at it yet. But if you, Yeah. yeah... what, what do you mean by nanoparticles? I actually don't know because I didn't click the yeah. link. <laughs> I will get to it. I just got this a couple a couple of minutes before the show. You know what? So. They uh, they might incorporate badgers. Badgers might fight corona with, their, right? with their claws. Yeah, I didn't read, the, <laughs> didn't read the article, but you know. Well, you know, these are times of innovation, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I know, but it's the it's the same thing that we get into before. It's the times of innovation, but it's also times for snake oil sales salesmen uh, yeah. and misinformation. So I mean. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. And we have to be skeptical. But, you know, we're looking at vaccines and you were talking about antibodies and there might be something brand new that comes on the scene. We've just never thought of before. You know, a lot of technology coalesces around emergencies, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, innovation doesn't come from from staying in the box. You got to think outside the box. The problem is the tactics that are being used to say that these things are definitive uh, solutions to the to the COVID crisis, you know, like the hydroxychloroquine or whatever it's called, like those those things. Saying those things are working are is a dangerous is a dangerous thing to pr- be perspective about. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, you know, I'm reading a book about the making of the atom bomb, um, and it's a really quite a definitive version of that story. And I recommend it. I'll find the author for you, but 
Can you imagine them thinking in 1935 that they were anywhere close to making the atom bomb? I seriously doubt it. Yeah, no. There yeah, was no. crazy. There was some groundwork. Now, folks, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been looking at predictions uh, from Politico. They've done a series, and the series is uh, looking at like a post-COVID landscape, and a bunch of thinkers have been queried about what they think it might look like. And of course, they're all kind of in their own wheelhouse. And, you know, making predictions right now is is a really risky thing. So, you know, we've done it a little bit. It's definitely a grain of salt. It's worth the conversation, but we understand. Now, we're going to look today, and this is, I don't know, Waylon, if you kind of caught this, but this is near and dear to my heart. As we talked yep. uh, earlier in this week, I think, or the end of last week about something very similar. So, it's called Electronic Voting Goes Mainstream, and this is Joe Brotherton is a chairman of Democracy Alive, a startup that provides electronic ballots. Okay, it's a pretty short piece. He writes, one victim of COVID-19 will be the old model of limiting voting to polling places where people must gather in close proximity for an extended period of time. We've been gra- gradually moving away from this model since 2010 when Congress passed a law requiring electronic balloting for military and overseas voters, and some states now require accessible at-home voting for blind and disabled voters. Over the long term, as election officials grapple with how to allow for safe voting in the midst of a pandemic, the adoption of more advanced technology, including secure, transparent, cost-effective voting from our mobile devices, is more likely. In the near term, a hybrid model, mobile phone voting with paper ballots for tabulation, is emerging in the 2020 election cycle in certain jurisdictions. We should expect that option to become more widespread. To be clear... Proven technologies now exist that offer mobile, at-home voting while still generating paper ballots. This system is not an idea. It's a reality that has been used in more than a 1,000 elections for nearly a decade by our overseas military and disabled voters. This should be the new normal. All right, Waylon, we've gone around and around and around on this. What do you think? Oh, man. I'm a technology teacher, and this is the place where I think that you really do need analog solutions, and you don't screw around with technology. Mm-hmm. I just, I personally don't think that the, so a couple of things that I'm not, that that make me pause about this. The first thing is the um, ability to, if you have any type of app, then you have a central database of information and data, data sets, and those data sets can be manipulated. The second part is the uh, the manipulation that can that can happen through lobbying and the things that happen behind the scenes when you're when you're pressing buttons at your house. So if you so thinking about um, the idea of uh, being in your house with another adult uh, that may be apathetic to voting, but you are very proactive in your voting stances, you take that person and you, and, and you log into their app with their with their stuff and now you're voting for two people rather than one in the in the in, in the comfort of your home and in today's day and age you would have to bring that person to the voting booth have them sign in have them check in and do all those 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 necessary steps of procedure so i i just i can't see right now i'm i'm not i'm not entirely completely you know unsold on this but i i re- you really got to do it right is my, is my yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. But let me say a couple of things. I, I don't think that they, he's advocating. He's talking about a hybrid model emerging. He's saying that the hybrid module model has already emerged, that we've been doing this for 10 years. So I just want to point that out. He's not talking about the... But there is a lot of talk about 
how the next election is going to go. Like, there is concern about how we're actually going to do that election physically. I mean, I, I don't know if in the second, first Tuesday of November, we're still going to be quarantined. But, you know, again, like we talked about yesterday with shorter supply chains, the demand might accelerate the mechanisms. And, you know, you are a tech teacher. So I think that puts you in a, a dual position. I feel like sometimes... I, I sense a contradiction in you, which I, it makes sense. I don't think it's a real contradiction, but there's part of you that really wants to embrace technology and say, like, look how well this thing works. Uh, and then there's a part of you, I think, and maybe it's when it becomes to like governance and stuff like that, you get very timid, actually. Not very timid, but very you, you really throw the brakes on when it comes to that. You're very bullish on technology, but you're very bearish when it comes to, and I get it because this is voting, you know. But here's the yeah, other thing. I think that, yeah, go ahead. I'm pro. Well, just to clarify what you're saying, I, I, I agree. I'm bullish on technology. I'm bearish on the human use of technology. Yeah. Yeah. So but, I'm a little bit more cynical on the actual way that we actually proceed in using the, the forms of technology. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. But let me just also throw this out there. Like balloting, physical balloting has had huge problems over the years. You know that like, uh, there's this great. Oh yeah, go back to Florida and see the, well, the, the punch yeah. ballot things. But I mean, that actually kind of plays into what I'm saying here. If you can't even punch out a card right mm-hmm. in an elect in an analog election, then you're going to be using a mobile app. We already saw what happened with the Iowa caucuses wow. and the mobile app of the people. I mean, it was just an absolute, you know, unmitigated disaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was going to bring that up, and I think that's it's fair fair game that. You know, in the first caucus of a very important primary cycle, a company that had taken the voting into an app had just it face planted basically in the worst kind of way. Um, so I get I get your point. Um, I wonder if this was 40 years ago and you were a tech teacher and they started to talk about doing banking online. I wonder if you would have had the same reaction, because let me just say, in, in all fairness, you know, you are an advocate of technology, but you also understand the limits of technology, too, because you, you encounter both the ability and the limits of this stuff all, all the time. It's your job. And I know that a little bit for myself because I'm not foolish when it comes to tech. So I kind of know how great it is. And also, there's often a very hard limit where you're like, it's just not going to do that. It just can't do that for you. Um, so I get that. But you know, like voting fraud historically has been <laughs> unbelievable. Just an uh, advertisement for my favorite uh, biography of a president, which is of Lyndon Johnson's the Robert Carroll one. I've mentioned it before. I mean, the 1948 election, Senate election, I mean, the voting, they were like stuffing ballot boxes and hiding them in the dirt and then popping them. It was all about timing, about when you would produce your stolen votes. I mean, you know, uh, I get your point about the hanging chads in Florida. I mean, no one would have even looked at that if that election hadn't been that close. But your point still stands, is that they there were these little pieces of paper that were only semi-punched out. You've seen that HBO movie? Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Game, Game Change, I think it's called. Such an excellent, yeah, think, uh, yeah. it's a great film. So, but Waylon, can, can we possibly... I guess here's what I, my pitch for you. I would like to like modify his pitch and say, okay... But can we make this happen by 2030? Is that something that you could? Because if you're okay with that, then I think it becomes way more possible. But we, you have to start down the road if you're going to do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I also think that 
Well, the, the, the biggest the, you can solve all those questions uh, pretty relatively easy. The only thing that I'm not sure about is that you don't you want to have registered voters, but you don't want to have necessarily a voter linked to a certain uh, politician that they voted for. That becomes dangerous because then that that is a knowledge that we as a, a democracy should not have. It should mm-hmm. be anonymity anonymity in your vote. So if you had a way to log into your account and see verification of this candidate that you voted for, that's great for verification purposes. You can go back and look at that, although you could still manipulate that. But it also is uh, a invasion of the privacy in which we enjoy in those analog things. I go in, I tell them where I live. They say yes, you're a voter. That's all they know, and that's and that's the way it should be because there could be you know inf- nefarious influences on, on different. Well, I things. get it. If it, the data is somewhere, it can be leaked, and that is a really key component to our elections: is that you don't know what somebody voted for. I mean, that's key, and that goes to your point about like someone being in your house because you can drive the person to the voting booth, but once they go in the booth, they can vote for whoever they want. You can't really go in the booth with them. Um, there's really, I think even they wouldn't even let Harper go in the booth with me when I voted in 2016. Like there's pretty strict laws. Oh, wow. I think, but you know, here's the other thing, Waylon. I was surprised when I voted in the primary uh, recently, they didn't even check my ID. And I was very surprised at that. I get that it's a primary, but there was like the, there was like the override in Northampton vote. I, no one even checked. I said, do you need to see my ID? They said, no. I just told them my address and where. And so what kind of verification is that? I mean, when you put that standard against uh, online verification, they start looking kind of like similarly weak. Let me put it well, that way. I think the, the, weak, the weakness in that situation is just the apathetic voting record that, that people have. We don't have the problem in this country of, of, of voter, uh, voter fraud to a, to a large degree because people don't vote in our country. That's <laughs> basically what it comes down to. So, I mean, the idea, I mean, you did have to verify where your address was, correct? Well, yeah, but that's pretty easy. And what easy. your name was? I mean, that's all the more reason to look at my license because then I can go down and I'll be like, this guy yeah, Joe but, never votes up the street. I'm going to go vote. But the problem is that that, that is in, in and of itself one of the hindrances that is um, that prevents people from voting to begin with, too. So you might not have mm-hmm. a government-issued ID, mm-hmm. and then what, what happens? Okay, so right. you don't have that. So if you are a registered voter, they have a register registration of you. Now – you go in and give it a um, no. I, I, of course, you could theoretically go in again and just keep on racking up the people on your street, hoping that one, the people on your street aren't voting, and hoping that two, the in, in the interaction of the person that's that's manning the gates at that that station is not, or you're going to each station, but. We just don't have that problem in our country because we are apathetic to voting. Well, listen, I don't, I, I don't think you can um, – I think my challenge is valid. I mean you could say the same thing about cell phone voting. Like you shouldn't be worried about people forcing people in their house to vote that way because they're apathetic. I get your point. But by the way, on a side note, Al Capone's very famous for saying vote early, vote often. And back in the like five-point days in New York, what they would do before an election is they'd grow their beards out and their hair out. And then they would go vote, and then they would take this part of the beard off and have a mustache, and then they would vote, and then they would get a haircut, and they would vote, and then they would shave their mustache, and they would vote. <laughs> like, they would go back and forth between the barbershop and the voting the voting booth. And they got paid, like, 
60 bucks every time or whatever the equivalent was back then to do it. So um, there's been a lot of voting fraud in, in American yeah, history. Yeah, but we're talking about statistics. You're talking about anecdotes. That's the difference here, right? Like, what, what do you think the percentage is? And we're also talking about, like, back in times in which it was much easier to, to commit voter fraud. I mean, you have people that are dead on the ranks, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, totally. That right, voting, right, so. yeah, yeah. So it's, increasingly, it's getting increasingly more difficult to do voter fraud. But at the core of all of this, if you, look, if you break down the statistics, the, 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 the percentage of voter fraud in this country is very, very, very low. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. And maybe that goes to your apathy thing. But, I mean, I, don't really, I can't really tell what you're arguing now because you're basically saying people don't care enough so we don't really actually have to check for verification that much because – you know, what are you saying now? Because I feel like I'm a little bit in the mix of what well, you're no, saying. Well, no, no. So what I'm saying is that the, that the, the threshold of, where, of that is at in, in the analog, in your, in, you know, mm-hmm. person to person going into the ballot box is enough validation in order to proceed. Okay, so here, let me just throw something. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean no, to no, no, go ahead. You're good. Here's something I'd like to throw back at you, though, that I think would excite you, which is... Uh, not excite you like a, the Tiger King or anything, but like in the context <laughs> of this conversation might excite you. What if we could say, what if voting from home would raise voting numbers through the roof, you know, because it people do struggle to get to the polling stations. Um, isn't this really worth doing just based on that? Wouldn't you have a much higher voter turnout based on the fact that it would be on your mobile device? Right. I mean, that's an exciting prospect, isn't it? And then the apathy you're talking yeah. about starts going away because even me, even me, and I'm a history teacher and a government teacher, I'm like, ah, I got to go and find a parking slot next to the Lilly Library. And I, I, I do it, but it's just a big mental hurdle, even much more than like getting my hair cut or going to the oil change place where, I'm, where it halts yeah. me, you know? Yeah, no, I... I I agree. I agree with with the idea that we we should find ways to pr- promote a higher interaction and engagement. And if the, if and again, I I'm a, I'm in favor if we have some sound technology that that re- retains privacy while at the same time is uh, is validating that the people that are voting are making sound decisions for themselves. I'm 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 all game for that. Um, the that the I forgot the point that you were making though. Sorry, I got lost for a second. It was well. I was just big. saying that, like the, the the really big, the really big win in this would be increased voter voting. Basically, that would be like but, a seismic. Yeah. That would actually be seismic. Yeah, but I think that what you do is you is you gain, grant access for in person voting in in other forms. So making it a holiday and providing sound transportation or an increase of polling stations so mm-hmm. you you can you can access things easier even if you cut down something from somebody having to go 2 miles to a mile that's going to bring that's going to increase the percentage of participation and it's just a, a the general education i think in massachusetts here we have now we have uh, civics education we just need to to be better engaged in the civic manner as as individuals and better educated Maybe. I've chafed at that. I mean, I, I agree with you in general. Uh, the, the pitch I always made to my students was, uh, forget about the candidates or any of that. Just forget about that for the moment. You may not like any candidate out there. It is a fact that districts that vote in higher numbers get more money for their districts. So if for nothing else, you want to vote because that gets the attention of both the federal, state, and local government, because they know that people are voting. 
So for that reason alone, your vote is valuable for your district. You know, you're going to get more money to pave the roads. You're going to get more money for your schools because that's the system. It's elected officials look and they say, oh, but Northampton really votes. Wow, I got to take that seriously uh, or whatever it is. So that's one civic argument for it. You know, I've been, yeah, I've, had a, I've had a couple of people come up to me and say, you know, it's too bad that people don't understand the Constitution and blah, 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 and that they're ignorant of the Constitution. And I, and those conversations have off, have off, <laughs> we're basically referring to 2016. And my reaction to that is like, I'm not sure that that's the lack of knowledge of the Constitution that led to yeah. Trump getting elected. In fact... Uh, conservatives generally know the Constitution better than liberals. Like they, they venerate the document. It's it's like a more of a fundamentalist thing than many, you know, the living, breathing Constitution. And it's yeah. just different I mean, prerogatives. Depending on, depending on what you're defining as liberal and conservative. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But you understand what I'm saying. The point is, yeah. is I don't think that election is a result of bad civic lessons. I think it's a result of different economic interests and in, in throughout the country, depending on where you live. You know. I don't think uh, it's just, yeah, I, that's all I would say about that. Yeah, well, I, I guess to refine what I was saying, no. it's not an education necessarily on the Constitution or of the amendments thereof and everything yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, it, it would be, it's great to have, but even I don't have the, mem- the I, I'm a history, uh, uh, I have a bachelor's in history, and I can't tell you every single amendment just, like straight sure. down the thing. But it's more so of understanding the fundamental process behind which we do vote in the information there. So one of the things that I do for my for my uh, my seniors, my 18-year-olds, I just have them register to vote one day mm-hmm. in, in class. Mm-hmm. Like we're not talking politics, we're not we're not saying who you're going to vote for or do this that the other thing. You're just voting or, or you're just registering to vote. Yep. And that's important because even there it's like all all day I I go Okay, so you're going to open Photoshop and you're going to go here, here, and here. And we do that for very technical things, and students have a myriad of questions. Same thing is true with registering to vote. Yeah. Although it's easy, it's it, it's a process. You can do it online, but there's multiple different things that you need. You need to have your um, social security number, and you need to have your uh, address, and you need to have all these things, and you need to click all these buttons. So it's another barrier, and it's it's just learning those processes, when the voting is, how everything works, if you're registered, if you're registered in one place and go into another. So all of those things, more of the procedural things is what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's very cool. I'm going to steal that from you uh, when I have seniors in my class second yep. semester. You know, I'm teaching AP Gov next year, hopefully. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. We should have the numbers to run that course. And, you know, unfortunately, the state has mandated civics, but they put it in eighth grade, which I think is a really bad time to teach kids civics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. They're not doing damn thing there. Well, so. the problem is, is that they want to have a test on it. And so yeah. the, the, you really teach civics senior year of high school. That's when you teach civics because they, that's when they can vote. And when that's like, yeah. well, they're invested and they're just about to really enter the adult world. So, you know, it is what it is. Now, kind of quickly, Waylon, let me throw this at you. Just kind of a last thought here and take it as you will. What happens in November? What would you do in November if the pandemic is perhaps even worse than it is right now? Just conceivably, like we're really hoping that's not the case, but If it was actually worse than it is right now, what options does government have to hold an election and a presidential, Senate and congressional election in November? What would you do if you were in charge? Yeah. So the first thing that I would be doing is is, uh, putting it in the forecast that 
there is a very real potential of a mail-in ballot. And I think the mail-in ballot system is the thing that, if we're talking about patchworks, we're not going to develop an app that's going out to everybody in, in from now until November. We already have a system that works and, and has been vetted and tested, and we it's it's in place. So I would up the, the mail-in uh, ballot thing, but I would start talking about the legislation for that and working with in a bipartisan way right now. Mm-hmm. Because what yeah, happened yeah. was... Um, uh, what was the what's the um, the state uh, uh, Scott Walker, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. So Wisconsin actually just had this this entire thing blow up in their face, and it, they it got to the point where they their primaries the the Democratic governor wanted to postpone them. At first they were they were going to continue. Things got worse. It became a, a partisan back and forth battle. They had the elections, and it was a disaster. They were trying to get the um, the mail-in ballot thing going, but it was too late. They just waited mm-hmm. too long. And, I mean, COVID really took... Well, that's the fast, thing. But- they, didn't, they didn't have too much prep time, but I get your point. I mean, it, this, the partisanship is concerning when it comes to this, right? Because we are in a very partisan moment in American history. That's true. And so I, I get your point. Um, although, wouldn't mail-in ballots have the same problem as a at-home app? You don't feel like that has similar. Someone could fill that out and mail that for you. Yeah, no, okay. I mean it's 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 a similar thing, but I mean the the mail the the app would do that too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know, and so I'm just wondering. You seem bullish on the uh, mail in, but bearish. Well, on I'm bullish app. because it's it's a system in place that yeah. we know. Well, we sure. It worked. Yeah, we're definitely not going to do an app. It's in definitely November. not the best. We're not going to do an app in November. So I agree with you about that. I mean, here's another possibility. I'm sure it's been kicked around. Maybe you do three letters of the alphabet every day, you know, starting that Tuesday or something. Uh, You know, that's one way to do it. I mean, they basically, I think there's another piece that maybe we'll look at next week that says election, the election is going to be all November. Like, that's a prediction that someone's making. It's going to take the whole month. The other thing thing is, I mean, Wisconsin was, was kind of a disaster and everything, but you increase the amount of maybe, maybe not increase the amount of polling places, but voting is kind of a social distancing thing anyways, uh, from my perspective here, at least in Massachusetts. I don't live in so I, I haven't seen a real bustling voting thing, but it's usually me going in at like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, and there's maybe twenty people loitering around, and there's already six feet because there's there's the stalls and everything. So it's yeah. like, you know, well, I, I think that it might be able to get away with it, but it would ha- would take some serious planning. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, your point's well taken. I do think there are lines, but they're usually outside, you know, <clears throat> and so yeah. you can just increase those lines. Yeah. Waylon, the time has come. Now you are coming out of your hypnotics trance, and you will not remember any of this. Although you didn't do a very good job of just agreeing with me about everything. So I have to work on my (laughs) hypnosis skills, that's all. Have you ever been hypnotized, Waylon? No, I don't think I can. Uh, because you're too smart, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah. I know that's... I know Brain that, size, the whole thing. I know that's the um, these, 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 a subconscious statement there, or whatever, the inferred statement. I actually did it for smoking, and it worked. It worked great. Really? Uh, nice. I haven't smoked since the year 2000, and I do think hypnosis was helped. But you know, I'm a simple, very simple person. <laughs> very easily to manipulate. <laughs> okay, uh, what's your plans for the weekend, pal? 
got the the brakes came in for Vanessa. I'm doing Sweet. the whole brakes, all the calipers, the rotors, the, doing the entire works. And you're doing it, or you're the mechanic? Yep, just doing it. Oh my that's, god, that's that's a that's a Corona project. So right there. there will be a lot of cussing coming out of uh, South Amherst because that's <laughs> yeah, the kind exactly. of project that you, you get excited about, and then you're like, God, God damn it, it's all rusty, I, uh, and you can't. Get I got it her, I got her up on the uh, on the jack right now, so Ooh. I might I'm looking a little Florida Floridy right now. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, the sun's starting to shine. I would definitely uh, use tomorrow to do some of it. Well, thanks for being with us on the Free Associates. We'd love to freely associate with you, and we'd love to free associate with you. This is the Campfire Edition. It's the COVID Edition. It's the Quarantine Edition of the Free Associates, and we'll just keep it going as we go, all right? You guys stay healthy, stay clear, be smart, and don't be stupid. 